Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who may not like fruit quite as much as I do, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. That is true. I'm not a huge fruit guy. I've gotten more different vegetables. Um, not, you know, any crazy vegetables, uh, but I'm not a big fruit guy. I'm just not. And I know you like your fruit. You know, you're the type, you know, just like Jackson in uh, Big Brother 21, you take a, a bowl of watermelon and oh. just, you know, eat it, eat, just eat it with a fork. All right? I don't know if I'm that obsessive, but I do like my fruit. You know, I make my smoothies almost every day, so I, I enjoy it. And, of course, we got to welcome back to the podcast, because it's been a couple weeks, I think, if I if I remember correctly. Of course, the third member of this podcast, uh, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I've been slacking a little bit. I haven't been on as much as I would like to. Hopefully, uh, all of my fans are, are pulling through without me, because I, I, I know uh, without me here, you might might uh, have to tolerate a little more Brandon's terrible takes. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be back, put Brandon in his place. Of course, always side with Trevor. I'm always going to be Team Trevor on this podcast. Um, so I'm always happy to be here. You know, Ben, I see it as there's no teams. We're just a, a, a loving trio that comes together and makes a great podcast. I mean, that's fine. You can think of it that way, but that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's your opinion. Um, but of course, as always, we have a good episode today. It's a little bit of a lighter sports week. We obviously have big NBA stuff to talk about. Uh, and that'll be later in the podcast. Um, but let's start this off. And we actually have a topic we haven't really talked much about before. Uh, Simone Biles this past week, uh, last Sunday actually, I believe, claimed her seventh U.S. Gymnastics Championship. Now, here's the thing. When you look at players in history, Tom Brady has, what, six Super Bowls, Trevor? Right? Seven. 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 Seven Super Bowls. Come on, Brandon. Um, LeBron has, what, three championships? Four. Four. Come on, Brandon. Four short. Um, you know, what, we got other players that have a lot of championships. Um, and, you know, let's think about this. LeBron's, I mean, how old is LeBron now? 34? We're at he's 34, 30, he's 36. 36. Uh, Tom Brady's 40, you know? Simone Biles has seven championships. She's 24 years old. She's yeah. still super young. I mean, this is like the most, one of the most amazing feats I've ever heard of ever. And obviously she's, I mean, the GOAT in the gymnastics world. Um, I, I sadly am not an expert in this world. Um, obviously, I can tell how um, just absolutely amazing she is. Um, but Trevor, I'll pass it off to you first. Simone Biles, seven championships. Some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so her seven titles are the most by any American woman, and she's only 24 years old. So I think that speaks for itself, uh, number one. And just watching like some of the highlights, didn't you know? I didn't watch this live, um, but just watching some of the highlights, like her floor routine and some of the other things uh, that, that she was doing at, at the uh, the gym for the gymnastics team, it's just incredible. And I kind of think about like, you know, some of the most incredible athletes that I've watched just in any sport. Mm-hmm. Obviously, LeBron James being one of the 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 first people I think of. Obviously, Tom Brady. Um, and I think, you know, Simone Biles is right up there. And honestly, like, if I just think about when I watch, you know, any kind of feat that an athlete accomplishes, uh, Simone Biles truly may be the most impressive of literally maybe any athlete, just as far as like, wow, I can't believe she is able to do that. Like as a, as a human being, it just, just watching some of the things she does, I'm just like, man, if I even tried to do like, one percent of what she tried to do i'd probably uh sprain an ankle or break a bone or i don't know it's just incredibly impressive and i i that's why i really wanted to talk about it today even though you know like you said you're you're not that knowledgeable i'm not either but i really do kind of like to 
you know, kind of check in with different sports. I don't follow as much gymnastics being one of them, obviously many other sports. Cause I, you know, I'm normally mostly focused on basketball and then obviously football during football season, but, you know, kind of checking in on gymnastics every now and then it's just insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what she's able to do. So had, had to point that out today. Yeah. I mean, she's such an amazing athlete and I just think like, I know the gymnasts don't go in terms of age, they don't go quite as long as like, you know, a soccer or a baseball where they could, you know, go into their 30s very easily and play. Um, and some mm-hmm. even in their 40s. Uh, football is a little bit different. I don't know if 40s is, is tough unless you're Tom Brady. Um, but it's still amazing. She's 24. I mean, <laughs> we're 23, and she has seven yeah. national titles, you know? Like, it's just <laughs> crazy to think about. Ben, final thoughts on Simone Biles' amazing feat. Yeah, obviously she's a phenomenal athlete. Um, but you know what, Brandon? This is why she's awesome, and this is why she's, like, you know, the best gymnast ever. She gives us short people, me and you, Brandon, hope because she's listed yeah. at four foot eight. She's four eight. And she's one of the one of the best athletes we've ever seen. So she gives us, you know, below average in terms of height uh people some some hope that, you know, maybe we can do something with our lives, Brandon, because uh I know you I like to make fun of you for being short because mainly because you're one of the few people I know that are shorter than me. So um she gives us hope, you know, gives us us short people some hope that maybe we can do something with our with our lives. That is that is a hundred percent true. I just she's such an amazing athlete. I mean, I, you know, I think we could talk about that specific part for for quite a while, but we'll move on um, for today. And we are really that's all we have for small talk. Uh, we'll move to exit small talk with, of course, small talk trivia. Um, and right now, Trevor, what's the scoreboard at the moment? So currently, the scoreboard it's going to get a little tricky here. You know, Ben currently has two and a half points. Brandon has one and a half points. And I have zero, so goose egg for me. You know, hopefully I can get on the board today. So I have the order. I just randomized it. The order today is Trevor's going to ask Ben. Ben, you're asking me, and I'm going to ask Trevor. So Trevor, you are up first with your question for Ben. Awesome. Okay, so as you guys know, I, I love the website Basketball Reference. I talk about it all the time. Um, and I, I found this question on Basketball Reference today. You know, I like to look at, you know, who has, like, the most games played in NBA history, playoff history, most minutes, stuff like that. So my question today is going to be related to uh, playoff minutes. Um, LeBron James has the most playoff minutes played in NBA history. My question is, who is the player that has the second most minutes played in the Mm. NBA playoffs all time? I think I know the answer. Oh, wow. You might get half a point here because... This is a tough question, man. And it's something it's something I never thought about. So obviously, you got to think a player that was around for a while and probably on a team that was good for a long time, or at least a team that was regularly in the playoffs and maybe even went far in the playoffs. So LeBron's a good indicator. LeBron is somebody somebody like LeBron that again is is fairly successful. He obviously he's very successful and typically will go far in the playoffs. I guess not this year. Um, that's funny because I I don't think I even would have guessed if you would ask me who's number one. I don't think I would have thought of LeBron. Oh man, this is a tough question. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking all the way because even though Brandon says he uh, he knows it or he might know it, I don't necessarily want to give him any 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 ideas here. I got to be strategic about protecting my lead. Um, so again, I'm just trying to think of players that were on good teams, good franchises, um, and they had fairly successful careers themselves. So obviously, I'm thinking of you know some of the greatest players of all time. Uh, maybe even like a Michael Jordan, maybe a Magic Johnson. But you know what? I have it down to two. I have it down to two different people. I want to. I want. I think of. Um, I originally thought my first thought was this person, but I think I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to guess. Oh, man, this is tough. I'm going to go with Kareem. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is my uh, 
is my answer. And again, I have no idea, but he seems like he's at the top of pretty much every statistical category in NBA history. He's near the top. So I feel like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not a terrible guess. So I'm going to go with Kareem, final answer. All right, Ben. So that was a very good guess. However, it is wrong. Kareem is actually third. Okay. So uh, I'm cool with being that close, though. I'm cool with that. Yeah, you you were very (laughs) close. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so now, Brandon, uh, the floor is yours to potentially steal and get a half point. Okay, so... I believe it is Derek Fisher, because I think he's played in the second most games. Now now that I'm saying it, he might not have averaged as many minutes as some other guys. You know, I'm going to stick with my original gut. I think it's Derek Fisher, and I'm almost 100% sure he has the second most games behind LeBron. No, no, no minutes. It I know, most, I know. I, I know it's minutes. minutes. I'm saying I, I'm fairly certain he has the second most games, and I'm hoping that correlates to minutes. But it okay. might not. I'm going to stick with my prediction, though. It's, I'm saying Derek Fisher. Okay. So if it was games, I think you might have been correct. However, with minutes, uh, it is not correct. Uh, the correct answer is Tim Duncan. No Tim way, Duncan. Trevor. That was the one. I was, <laughs> that was my first guess. No way. Oh, I'm so mad. Man, oh, that's rough. That, that was that, my first pulled, guess. That's what I do. Dang. <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah. Tim Duncan has a little over 9,000 minutes. Kareem, not far behind him. Uh, LeBron has over 11,000 minutes, so a oh, pretty big lead there. That's He's going to extend that, obviously. All right, Ben, it is your turn to ask me a question. Man, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm shook by that. I really didn't think Tim Duncan would be right, so I was like, ah, but whatever. It's cool. Okay, Brandon, my question is for you. This is going to be a tough one because you're not the best at, uh, at historical history in terms of, of – uh, in terms of like, because you, you can't remember anything that happened more than two days ago. So my mm-hmm. question for you, Brandon, the Boston Celtics, you ever heard of them? I have. Okay. Who is the all-time leading scorer of the Boston Celtics? Simple question. Who has scored the most points as a member of the Boston Celtics? Now, they've had a lot of good players. So you got to think through this. All right. Who is the all-time leading scorer for the Boston Celtics? Boston Celtics all-time leading scorer. I mean, I would think it has to be Larry Bird. That would be like my my first initial guess. Uh, Havacek would probably be a good guess also. Um, I know. Oh, I don't know who it is between them. I mean, my mine's gonna be probably a shot in the dark a little bit. Uh, I'll go with uh, Larry Bird's my initial. See, I think Trevor knows this. Trevor, you know this question. You know the answer. Um, I, I guess just well, the only thing I'd throw in there and you know, just clarify. My guesses, but I don't know if it matters. <laughs> just to clarify, is this just regular season? I'm just curious as I'm thinking about it. I, I I'm assuming it is because most stats are set up that way, where it's like regular season and then playoffs. But you but know what, I, Trevor? I don't know if you. That's know a that. great question, and I have no idea. So. It's, Usually those things are regular season, so I'm I'm that's kind of what I'm gonna interpret it as. But sure, we'll go with yeah. that. I have no idea. I guess I'm a, I'm a terrible host in terms of uh, I don't know I don't know the answer to that. So we'll go with that. Sure, right. we'll go with regular season. I I'm gonna guess Larry Bird. That's gonna be my final answer. Larry Bird. Brandon Larry Bird. I'm sorry, is incorrect. It's uh... not Larry Bird. Trevor, you have a chance to steal for half a point. Get on the board here. Sitting at a big old goose egg right now. Trevor, do you have a all guess right. for who is the all-time leading scorer for the Boston Celtics? All right, all-time leader for the Boston Celtics. So I have the privilege now, since I'm going second, of listing out all possible options. So Brandon took Larry Bird off the board. That does help me a little bit. 
Um, he, he mentioned John Havlicek. That is definitely would have been my po- one of my possible options. Uh, he was Celtic great for a while, late 60s, early 70s. Another one could be Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce uh, played almost his whole career with the Celtics, at least 12, 13, 14 years. Um, you know, didn't average as much as Bird or Havlicek, but still, you know, I, I believe, I think it's like 19, 20 points still, you know, would be at least up there. But it's hard to imagine. I, I don't know if he had more than Havlicek, though. Those are two strong options. Um, other guys with the Celtics, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, there's a lot of those, like, older Celtics, but... You know, they were such a great team that it's like they're, you know, you can only average so much points if you have five really good players on your team. Like with like Bill Russell, Sam Jones, Havlicek, Bob Cousy, um, who was more of a, a passer. But you just look at all those guys and it's hard to distinguish um, which one would have, you know, been the all-time leading scorer for the Celtics. So, again, Brandon took Larry Bird off the board. To me, when I just think about all-time great Celtics and scoring, I think it's either Havlicek or Paul Pierce. I think those are probably the two best options. Um, and I think Havlicek played. I think he played fourteen seasons with, and I think they were. I think they were all with the Celtics. I could be wrong, but I think they were all with the Celtics. Um, and Pierce was similar. He was 12, 13, 14. Um, I'm gonna go with my gut here. And I'm going to say that it is John Havlicek. John Havlicek, final answer, answer, Trevor. Trevor, you're on the board. Congratulations. You got half a point. John Havlicek, 26,395 career points. Paul Pierce is number two, Trevor. So you were right on it with uh, your Boston Celtics scoring history. Good job. Very solid. Good job, Trevor. All right. My question for you, Ben. I think my question is to Ben, right? No, it's to Trevor. No, it's it's to Trevor. But when Trevor gets it wrong, I'll steal it. So, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, Ben, I actually think you'll know this question. This is a very, very simple, straightforward question. The answer might not be simple, but the question is very straightforward. Who is the all-time single-season touchdown leader among running backs? All-time... Rushing touchdown. Single-season leader. Okay, so most rushing touchdowns in a single season all-time. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, I mean... See, I can't, I can't say the names. Um, there's one person that comes to my mind right away. Um, now, I, now, it's tough when you think about like how, how much this has become such a passing league that that almost makes me want to think it's a little older, like a, a player that played a while ago, but not necessarily. So, most rushing touchdowns in a single season. Man, yeah, it is a very straightforward question. There's a lot of possible answers, which makes it tougher because, you know, I could easily throw out 10, 15 names right now, and any one of them wouldn't necessarily surprise me if it was the correct answer. Um, man, most rushing touchdowns in a single season. The obvious, There's just one that's very clearly in my head, and I feel like if I didn't guess this person – and that was the correct answer, I would be mad at myself mm-hmm. for it. Um, While you're similar thinking, to what Ben, ben did with do you know the answer? No, I, I wouldn't say I know the answer. I, I, okay. I, I'm kind of like Trevor. I have a couple guesses, but I definitely okay. would not say I'm positive on any answer. I thought you would know the answer. That's a tough ahead, question, Trevor. man. I don't I'm know. Thinking. It's a tough question. Most rushing touchdowns in a season. Man, it's... Oh, geez. This is difficult. 
Um, I don't know, man. I there's so many great running backs, and if it was just one of them, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, okay, I gotta give a guess. Let's go with man. Um, I will say the most rushing touchdowns in a single season. I will say that it's Adrian Peterson, and that could be way wrong, but that was the first name that came to my mind, and if it's him and I don't guess him, I'll be mad. So I'll say Adrian Peterson. It's probably wrong. Adrian Peterson is incorrect. He is incorrect. He's tied for 15th, though, one season. He is tied for 15th. Ben? You get, could possibly get half a point. Yeah, all right. So, again, Adrian Peterson was one I thought of. Um, this is tough. And, again, I'm kind of Trevor. I'm thinking more old school, so I'm thinking maybe Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, people like that. Um, I don't want to spend too long on this because I don't really know. So I'm just going to make an educated guess. My first my first gut guess or thought when you asked that question was Barry Sanders. So I'm going to go with Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is also incorrect. I thought one of you would get this. It's Ladanian Tomlinson. Oh, in the twenty-eight one. touchdown season yeah, in two thousand six. Yeah. How, how many was it? Twenty-eight. So I actually I, I have it up on my computer here, but I looked it up on my phone because I guess the list I have is different. Well, it's not different. Like LT was still at the top of this list too, um, but I think this is total touchdowns for a running back in a season. But I, I found the correct list, which is rushing touchdowns, and LT is still at the top with twenty-eight. 28 touchdowns yeah. in 2006. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson, 18 in 2009. Okay. And Barry yeah. Sanders is not on this list. Oof. Um, All right, Brandon. Jeez, just tell who, me my guess is terrible. Um, All right. Where was uh, Emmett Smith? Just, just Emmett curious. Smith was high. He he, he was. Okay. Uh, that was fourth. another one of. I almost said Emmett Smith too, but okay. And he, he was fourth, and then he also had a, another season that he was time for sixth. Gotcha. He had 24 touchdowns in 21. All right. So is that so uh, is that it for trivia? It looks like I'm. Is is that the last question, right? That's it. That's it. So right. what what's our scoreboard at the moment? Okay, so I'm the only one that takes points. I'm very slowly chipping away. I guess the lead. <laughs> ben has two point five points. Uh, Brand has one point five points, and I just have a half point now, which it's not zero. It's better than nothing. Hey, there you go. You know you're on the board. That's all that matters. Um, but let's get into randomly ranked today, and we have an interesting one. I have no clue who came up with it because I was uh, uh, AFK at that exact moment. Who wants to take credit for this? Um, ben, ben did. Ben? Yeah, sure. I, I'll take credit, but I mean, again, it's something me and Trevor discussed. So I don't, I don't want to take all the credit here. So today we are doing top three Will Ferrell movies. Now I, I like Will Ferrell; he's a great actor. I think you two like Will Ferrell a little more than I do, uh, for sure. Um, so my top three. I'll start off because I think mine are a little bit boring. Uh, my number three, I gotta go with Anchorman, the original one. Um, I this movie is is just absolutely hilarious. It is so funny in so many ways. There's so many quotable lines from it. I had to put it in my top three. Number two, I gotta go with Step Brothers, pretty much for the exact same reasons. It's super super quotable. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, and to me, like I feel like when you think of one Will Ferrell movie, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Step Brothers is the one that just pops into everyone's heads. You guys feel that way? It's definitely yeah, up it, there. Yeah. yeah, it's it's probably the first one that comes to my mind. Yes. Yeah, it's not necess- It's it's my second favorite, so it's not my actual favorite. But I I I feel like that's like the most, you know, rec- it's just like Will Ferrell Step Brothers. You know, they go together. Number one, I gotta go with Elf. I love Elf uh, as a movie itself, and because it's hilarious. Um, and you know, Will Ferrell is, I it just collectively Will Ferrell is so so funny. He has so many funny movies that he's in. Uh, but Elf took the cake for me, and it's it's number one. Um, who, who wants to go next? Trevor, you want to go next? 
Yeah, sure. I can go next. Um, so I, I just wanted to mention Kicking and Screaming. It's not in my top three, but I'm not sure if Ben's going to put in his top three. Wanted it to wanted to mention it because it's very good. It probably would have been my number four. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Elf. Um, and I'm not too surprised that you put it at number one, Brandon. I know how much you love Elf. Uh, it's my number three. It's a very good movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. So it's, yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, number two, I also have Step Brothers, like you, Brandon. It's not my number one. However, like I said, it is the first one that comes to your mind, obviously. it's it's. I would assume if you took, like, a poll, um, and I on this list we're looking at Anchorman's number one, but that's kind of strange to me. I feel like if you took a poll, um, just as, like, you know, anyone who, who likes Will Ferrell, I think they'd probably say Step Brothers is their number one, their favorite movie. Uh, but it's not mine. My number one is actually Talladega Nights, uh, Ricky Bobby. Um, I just love this movie. It never gets old. It's always funny. Um, and yeah, that, that's my number one. Just just love the movie. So many great moments in it. Before we move on, I have a hot take about Talladega Nights. Ben showed me Talladega Nights in college, and I just didn't like it. Dude, come on, Brandon. I, I, do you remember Ben? Do you remember us? Um, I, I I vaguely remember me showing it to you. Yeah. I just didn't like it that much. That's like one of the only Will Ferrell movies. Where I was like, I eh, just didn't do it for me. You know? Maybe that's a hot take. Maybe that's a hot take. Tweet tweet I, at us at probably. the small balls. That one's a hot take. I want I want to see if if the people think that's a hot take. Ben, you're up though. Top three Will Ferrell movies. Yeah, this is tough. I mean, he's got so many good ones. He um, does. And again, he's one of those. He's one of those comedians where like he can be funny and still be clean. Like he doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, swearing or anything like that to be funny. Obviously he can be, but um, he's, he's just, I think he's somebody that's, he's funny in, in a kid movie or he's funny in a movie, you know, suited towards adults. So uh, I, I do think he's versatile in that aspect. Um, my number three, I'll go kicking and screaming. I'm glad you mentioned it, Trevor. I fig- I figured I'd just throw it in there because that's when I grew up with, I loved watching it. I was always watching it as a kid. So I had to throw that in there. Uh, number two, I'm actually I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a different route here. I'm gonna go Blades of Glory. I love Blades of Glory. Again, another one I remember growing up. I used to watch that movie constantly. Um, really funny movie. You got a young Jenna Fisher in that movie. Um, Blades of Glory, great movie. Um, and number one, I, it's kind of boring, but I gotta go with Anchorman. I get it. It was number one on that list we we looked at, but it really is. And maybe part of it is because the cast is so good in general. Um, yeah, but I I had to go Anchorman at number one. It's just it's one of those movies where it's so quotable. There's so many great scenes. Um, I I, I can you know easily remember the very first time i saw it i remember where i was when i saw it um just just an awesome movie and, and one that mm-hmm. if you haven't seen you gotta go see it because it's just it's just a legendary movie so i i think we all had pretty good list bench was definitely the most versatile you know in terms of unpredictability yeah. um, i try to, I try to mix it up list. every once in a while oh yeah of course of course let's get to our main topic today though um because we, we got a little bit to talk about here we got four series uh, to talk about Trevor, i'm gonna hand it over to you first um, since you are our main basketball es- expert on uh, the podcast, uh, Nets and Bucks. This series is two one. Brooklyn is winning, um, and it, to me, it doesn't seem like it's going to go the other way. You know, we had a very low scoring game. If the Nets don't score a lot, obviously not going to win. I don't think Milwaukee's going to keep up with the scoring of of Brooklyn. Uh, so if Brooklyn has you know the ability to score one hundred twenty plus, that the Milwaukee's probably not going to win. But what are your thoughts on this series moving forward and that we've seen this past week? Yeah, so this series has been definitely different than I expected it so to be so far. Um, it, I expected it to be this awesome series, a potential like finals before the finals. I was thinking this might be the best series, and I kind of thought the winner of it would be uh, the champion. Now, that last part that I mentioned I think is still probably going to be true. I think the Brooklyn Nets are the best team in basketball, and I think they have uh, – 
kind of shown that so far in this series. Um, but the reason it's not quite as good is because the Bucks. Well, they haven't been even close to as good as they were against the Miami Heat. You know, it's been a totally different Bucks team in this series. They haven't been able to keep up with the scoring, as Brandon mentioned. And uh, there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, number one is that uh, Chris Middleton in the first two games um, has not did not play well. He obviously kind of improved that in Game 3. He was much better, but he's been pretty inefficient. Chris Middleton in this series only shooting 37%, uh, 32% from the three-point line, so that obviously hurts you. Um, and then you look at Drew Holiday, he's only averaging 13 points a game. Now he's doing uh, some things on the defensive end. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's setting other guys up. He's doing some things like that. But you look at some of those things offensively, and they're struggling. And then you add to that Giannis with his free throw shooting, which is something I've, I've talked about multiple times. He's a very bad free throw shooter. Um, in this series, he's only shooting 32% from the free throw line. Um, he's one of the, or I'm going to, I'm going to talk about another guy who's a very bad free throw shooter here in this next series, but Giannis definitely struggling, uh, from the line. And then as far as on defense, trying to slow down the Brooklyn Nets, who, haven't even had James Harden. They only had him in the first, like, I think it was like 40 seconds of the game before mm -hmm. he, uh, you know, hurt that hamstring again. He's supposed to be out again uh, in game four. You know, hopefully, I mean, hopefully they get him back soon. I, you know, I would certainly like to see James Harden play. But so far, without him, they're still the better team in the Bucks, which is surprising to me. Um, on defense, some of the... You know, some of the flaws, there's definitely some points where you can really pick apart this Bucks defense, one of which is, you know, in the pick and roll. You have Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin, who's been playing really well. And you have uh, Brooke Lopez, who, very good offensive rebounder, um, very good um, in the paint, you know, you know, defending the rim. But if you get a pick and roll on Brooke Lopez, you know, it's pretty easy to uh, get good looks from mid-range because Brook Lopez stands back. He's not as quick laterally, um, and it's harder for him to contest a Kevin Durant who is, you know, 6'11", shooting mid-range jumpers and getting a lot of good looks. And, and also, you know, regardless of the defense you throw at Kevin Durant, even though, uh, like, the Bucks, they don't have the person to guard Kevin Durant like maybe the 76ers do. They don't have a Ben Simmons. They don't have a Matisse Thybul. Um, Durant is getting to whatever spots he wants. He, you know, is basically reminding us all that he is, if not the best player in the NBA, he's definitely, I think, top three. He's averaging 38 and five. Uh, his splits are about 49, 44, and 87 from the free throw line. So Kevin Durant has just been phenomenal. And then, you know, I, I got to mention Blake Griffin. We I talked about him a little bit last week, but he has uh, exceeded expectations, I would say, especially um, on the defensive end. You know, Blake Griffin, he's kind of fulfilled the role I think that they were looking for um, as far as, you know, kind of like more of a, a five-man, even though he's not a typical center. He's doing a really good job because he's uh, switchable on defense. He's diving for loose balls, working very hard, and... You know, I predicted Nets in seven, but honestly, I don't see it getting to game seven at this point with how good the Nets have been. Um, you know, and they almost won that game three, which if they would have won the game three, then we're looking at a sweep. So I think the Nets probably are going to win game four, and I think they most likely will close out in game five. So it's it's kind of unfortunate that the series hasn't lived up to our expectations. Um, definitely hasn't lived up to mine. 
but it's definitely interesting watching um, this Brooklyn Nets team, how good they've been on offense, kind of resembling some of the other great offenses we've had. Obviously, the, the Warriors um, and the offense they've had, the ball movement, the shooting. And then even like with Steve Nash as the coach, you look back to like you know some of those Suns teams where they're uh, running up and down the court and really good offensive teams. So it's been, it's been really interesting to kind of watch uh, what the Brooklyn Nets have done. Yeah, no, I I agree. It, this doesn't seem like a very even series. It definitely seems that the Nets are, are the better team. Ben, uh, final little prediction before we move on from this series. Yeah, I mean, after the first two games, I my guess would have been Nets in four. I, I I didn't see a scenario where the Bucks were winning after those first two games. But again, the James Harden thing has, has definitely added at least a little bit of a factor into the series. Um, and again, if you're listening to this, you might already know the outcome of game four. But I, I agree with you, Trevor. I predict the Nets to win game four, and I, I predict them to uh, – to have a little gentleman sweep of the Bucks, I do think gentleman sweep of the Bucks. I should say, I do think that they will uh, they'll win in five. Um, again, the Nets are just they're just too good, and the Bucks are a good team. I mean, obviously Giannis is a great player, and Middleton's good, but the Nets just have too many weapons. It's just it's too hard to beat them in a best of seven series. Um, so I got I got to expect that the Nets are going to take care of business today um, and probably finish the Bucks out in game game. What would that be five? Five, yeah. And by yeah. the way, I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, we haven't seen like an like Giannis has been good, but he hasn't really had that like signature awesome performance like we saw in the regular season when he had 49 in one of their games against Brooklyn in a win. So, you know, maybe we'll get that today. Uh, they might need it in order to, you know, potentially force a, force a game six at least. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um, next up, we got 76ers Hawks. Um, we got 2 1 to the 76ers. Uh, 76ers look like look the better team. I don't think the Hawks are quite at the, the level of play of the 76ers, but Trevor, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts as always. Yeah, so obviously game one was so much different than games two and three. In game one, uh, you had Danny Green guarding Trey Young for the majority of the possessions. Um, he was the primary defender of Trey Young, and obviously Trey Young had a very good game. He had 35 points, 10 rebounds, or 10 assists. And the Hawks got the win. You know, they were shooting very well, uh, spacing the floor. And it's like, oh, here come the Hawks. Can they beat the 76ers? I know that's been a little bit of a hot pick for, you know, a lot of uh, basketball fans, some analysts, you know, people talking about it on, on TV. It's been a hot pick to pick the Atlanta Hawks. But this whole time I have maintained that I think the Sixers are the better team so long as Joel Embiid is healthy you know he's he's himself and he has been himself in these first three games we saw in game two we saw a shift doc rivers now uh you know putting ben simmons and matisse thibel more often uh on trey young and uh that's limited trey young you know in in game two uh trey young definitely was not as inefficient he had uh 21 points 11 assists so pretty big difference from 35 points to 21. I uh, only shot 30, 38% from the field in game two and only one of seven from three. So you look at, you know, two of the best wing defenders and Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybul, that's going to be really interesting. Um, if, you know, in a potential Sixers Nets matchup that I think we're going to get, um, I, I'm going to maintain my prediction of Philly and six. I think the Hawks will be able to get another one, but I think this adjustment that Doc Rivers has made is a really good one. And now they are without Danny Green right now. He he got injured in their most recent game. I think he's supposed to be out for uh, this next game. Um, so that, that'll that hurt a little bit, but I still think that Philly has enough in this series at least, um, you know, with guys like Tobias Harris, who, by the way, Tobias Harris has been incredible um, just in the playoffs in general. Uh, he's been very efficient. 
um, in this most recent game, um, he was just inefficient. He was efficient again. Uh, he had 22 points in game two on 11 of 19 shooting. So he's been incredible. And then obviously, like I mentioned, Abid is now healthy. So with that being said, I think Philly will win this series in six games. Um, on the Atlanta side, uh, you know, trying to think of just little things they can do, adjustments they can make. I think Trey Young really is going to have to. Um, he's already a really good creator, but he's going to have to find you know those weak spots. You know, at some angles he's getting there's being doubles thrown at him. Obviously, with Ben Simmons' thighball on him, you know there are other matchups that they can find where you know if you have like a um, for example a Danny Green now now he's out, but if you find some of these matchups uh, where they have a weaker defender or a Tyrese Maxey, for example, a young guy where you can have you know, a Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, Daniel Gallinari, who are very good shooters, good creators, they're going to have to take advantages of those matchups uh, for the Hawks to have a chance in this series. Yeah, the Hawks got to have some fabulous performances from their, you know, quote-unquote star players um, to really make this a series, but it, it also seems like this one's going to be a gentleman's sweep from my perspective. Ben, final prediction on this series before we move on. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Hawks are, are not as good as the 76ers, so in order for them to be successful, like you saw in game one, you got to have Trey Young be, be a superhero. Um, and again, that's he's, he's great, but that's asking a lot out of Trey Young. So again, the 76ers are the better team. Typically in a best-of-seven series, you'll see the better team prevail just because you have to be more of a complete team to win four out of seven games. So again, Hawks are a good team, and Trey Young is a phenomenal player, but I just don't think he's going to... He's going to have enough in the tank to uh, to really propel them to, to be a really good 76ers team. Next up, we have the Jazz and Clippers, and this series has gotten a little bit more interesting after the past game. Uh, big Clippers win. Um, Utah now leads 2-1. to one. Um, So, Trevor, this is definitely an interesting one. I'm, I'm uh, excited to hear what you got to say about this one, too, because this could kind of, I, I feel like it could go either way. Not saying I think, you know, necessarily one team win over the other, but I, I'm saying I, I think it could go either way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it could go either way, uh, too. And I picked Jazz in seven at the beginning of the series, you know, I'm sticking with that. But the Jazz, right now, they're playing without Mike Conley. So, you know, they get those first two wins in Utah. Donovan Mitchell ha- has been incredible. He's going off. He's hitting threes. You know, he's getting to his spots, attacking the rim, doing anything he wants in those first two games where he had 45 in game one, 37 in game two. Um, and, you know, this is just another instance of, you know, we talked about in in that Hawks series where Doc Rivers he makes the adjustment he puts Ben Simmons Thibel you know in in different places on Trey Young and to me it's like why not from the from game one why aren't you putting your best defender on the opposing team's best player it just doesn't make any sense to me and we've seen Ty Lue do it where you know he's not putting Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on Donovan Mitchell we saw it with Doc Rivers he's not putting Ben Simmons Thibel on Trey Young. Um, but now Ty Lue, after Game 1 and Game 2, where Donovan Mitchell averaged 41, and they got they went up 2-0, Game 3, he finally makes the adjustment. He decides, all right, we're going to put Kawhi on him in stretches. We're going to put Paul George on him in stretches. And then we're also going to throw some doubles, you know, some different stuff at him. And it did limit him to some extent. He still had a pretty good night uh, overall. He had 30 points, um, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. But 30 points is not 45. 30 points is not 37. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely better um, if you're just taking seven points or 15 points away from the opposing team's best player. And then also, you know, the Clippers, obviously Paul George, you know, we've 
obviously there's a lot of I know there's a lot of fans out there that kind of try to clown on Paul George. It's like, oh, Paul George is overrated. You know, he's not going to playoffs. And it's partially true because he is inconsistent. You know, a lot of there's a lot of games where you know he's you know chucking up a lot of shots. He's he's missing a lot. He's inefficient. Um, and it's just like Paul George. You're you're you know two years ago you were third place in MVP voting. You were playing really well with the Oklahoma City Thunder. You were so good with the Pacers when you were going toe to toe with LeBron as the best player on that team in the conference finals. And now you're you're a no show in certain games. So uh-huh. Paul George finally had a great performance in Game Three. Obviously, you see the result of that. The Clippers win by 26 points. Um, so I don't know. It's if Paul George can give you performances like this consistently, the Clippers are going to win this series, and they have a shot to, you know, go toe to toe with the Nets in the finals. But you can't always count on that. And then obviously Kawhi, he was very good as well. He's, you know, he's been so good this whole playoffs. And they've gotten uh, production from guys like Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum. So, you know, with the Clippers, obviously it's kind of just like, are they hitting, you know, threes like they shot fifty three percent in this latest game? If they are, if they're shooting really well from three, they'll win. If they're not, if they're inefficient, you know, if Kawhi's not getting any help, then they're probably going to lose. So it's it's definitely, uh, it changes from game to game. But uh, nevertheless, I still think the Jazz are going to win, but they, they really need Mike Conley. You know, they need another creator. Um, Jordan Clarkson isn't quite that guy. You know, he's, he's kind of, he was really good in the regular season, but I don't necessarily think Clarkson is like the most reliable playoff option. You know, I think he was five sixteen yesterday. So, yeah, it, it's it's definitely the best series uh, in this second round. Yeah, this one's going to be interesting. I I I agree with you. I think it's going to go to seven. I think we'll get the Jazz as the winner, um, but it could go either way. I I really do think that. Then final prediction before we go to the last series and wrap up the pod for today. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Trevor. I, I do think it's probably the best series. And it's funny, the Clippers are, like, you, you just don't know what you're going to get out of the Clippers. Because, I mean, the last time I was on this podcast a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how they might, like, they might be done. They were down 2-0 to the, to the Mavs. Obviously, they came back and won that series. Down 2-0 to the Jazz. They come back, they win Game 3. Um, so, I do think Game 4 would be very important for the Clippers. Because if they get down 3-1, um, just with the in- how inconsistent they are and how unpredictable they are, they might, not, they might not be able to come back from 3-1. But definitely, if they can, even at 2-2, whole new series, best of three at that point. Um, so it is an intriguing series, and again, the Clippers, you just never really know what you're going to get with them. Sometimes they look like a top-five team in the NBA, and sometimes they look like they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. So um, definitely intriguing in that aspect, really not knowing what, what the heck is going to happen in the coming couple uh, in, the, in the future couple games here in the series. Mm-hmm. So, Trevor, final series, we got the Suns Nuggets. This one's looking the, this one's looking the most kind of you know one-sided, I guess we could say. Um, so what are some of your thoughts on this series? Do we see it end today? What do you think? Yeah, so game four is today. The Suns currently have a 3-0 lead over the Nuggets. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough for me to say that Nikola Jokic is going to get swept. Um, but I, I I don't know, man. I, I can't really trust a lot of these role players for the Nuggets. It, it seems like their performance against the Blazers was a little bit of an aberration, you know, a rarity. Like, it's not – you can't really count on it. Um, so, if, if I'm going to pick, I would probably say that the Suns will win and they will complete the sweep. And, you know, it, it's just unfortunate. It really would have been awesome to see if Jamal Murray was here. I know we talked about that a little bit before. Uh, just not having Jamal Murray really hurts you when you don't necessarily have – 
a lot of other great uh, scores in, in your backcourt. I mean, you're relying on guys like Austin Rivers, uh, Monte Morris, Campazzo. You know, it's just not it's not what you want to be relying on. And then uh, on the other end, Phoenix, uh, Chris Paul is, I mean, he looks like himself. He's 100% healthy, It seem, seemingly, which if you would have told me that, then I might have predicted, you know, a Suns win in five, maybe not a sweep, but maybe in five. Uh, I, I was thinking more six, but now looking at it with Chris Paul fully healthy, I mean, Chris Paul, he's averaging 22 points and 11 assists and six rebounds. I mean, these are the types of numbers he was putting up, like, in his early days, like, with, uh, you know, back in, with New Orleans Hornets, you know, in those late 2000s, like 2008, 2009, and then even with the Clippers, you know, usually, even, like, you look at, like, last year, year before, he wasn't even putting up these types of numbers, like, in the past year or two. So Chris Paul's been incredible. And then just overall, they get they have so many different scoring options, so many different options uh, as far as playmaking goes. Obviously, Booker, we've, we've talked about him. He's been awesome. He's been really good again. And then DeAndre Ayton doing his job. You know, it's kind of like Ayton's, like, he's like a modern-day five as far as, you know, um, he's not like the dominant force, and he never will be like a Joel Embiid. But he's a very great option as far as rim running, uh, defending the post, getting rebounds. And then you look at other guys like Macau Bridges, great three and D. Um, you know, just d- doing a lot of good things. And then Jay Crowder, who's been a really uh, great uh, energy guy, great uh, role player for so many years as well. Um, and then I could go on, Cameron Payne, Saric. I mean, they have, they have so many options, so many, so much depth, sort of like the Jazz. And that's why I, I'm really hoping for a Jazz Sun series because I think that would be awesome. Um, but Clipper Suns would be good too, so we'll see. But, yeah, I think the Suns probably close it out tonight. I don't think we'll have much longer in this series. It would be so interesting if we had Jamal Murray. It, it would. Uh, this series would be a much, much better series. Um, but I, I got to take the Suns in four. Ben, final thoughts before we wrap up the pod. Yeah, I mean, this series is over. It's just a matter of when it's when it's going to be, when they're going to stop playing the series. Um, because, mm-hmm. again, the Suns are just too good. Like Trevor said, Chris Paul's been amazing. You put him with Devin Booker. Uh, it's a hard team to beat. Obviously, LeBron had trouble beating that team. Um, and, again, Jokic is a phenomenal player. He's the MVP. But, again, with no Jamal Murray, he's just it's it's hard for him to, to uh, he can't do everything. He's only one person. And the Suns are a more complete team, and we're seeing that. Um, so again, Nuggets might win Game Four, but I don't think it'll go. If, even if they win Game Four, I don't think it'll go past five games. So um, the, the the series is over. It's, like I said, it's just a matter of when they're going to actually stop playing games. I'll I'll, I'll predict. I'll, I'll give a guess that the Nuggets somehow win Game Four, and then uh, they, the Suns finish it off in Game Five. Just to give Jokic a little bit of credit, I want to see him win one game in this series. Cause I do think he deserves that. So um, again, Suns are, Suns are the better team, but it's just a matter of when when they're going to close it out because it'll it'll be shortly. I can promise you that. It's not going to last much longer. I think we can all agree on that. But I think we'll wrap up the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small Ballers. You know, and all of our podcasts go live. The link is also in the description. Um, but uh, and of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave that five star review. Go check out all the other podcasts on the Small Ballers platform. We have a lot of great ones. Uh, we should have Five Seconds of Fame coming back very soon. We got Big Brother starting up in in less than a month, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that one will be coming out soon. So if you're a Big Brother fan, you definitely want to tune into that. Uh, But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons.